Radio Newark, the home of Radio Newark Sport. Weeknights from 7. Radio Newark Sport. Brought to you with Smith's Timber Merchants. For all your fencing, decking and DIY needs on Appleton Gate, Newark. Visit smithstimber.co.uk. Tonight, our special guest is a man who has taken on the task of replacing a legend that actually achieved a dream. So, absolutely no pressure on James Tomlinson as he makes his Sport HQ debut as the new coach of the Newark Rugby Club Girls. And to keep him company, Emma from the under-15s and Olivia from the under-13s. The twins look back at two weekends of running and Graham talks about all things striders. I'm Mick Bradley. Thankfully, he's not Tony Smith tonight. But this is the renowned Radio Newark Sport. So let's start with some of the young names in the news. And a massive well done to Sprint Supremo, Amy Hunt, as she claims third place in the Sports Aid One to Watch Award of 2019. 17-year-old Amy has won gold in the women's 200 metres and the 4x100m at the European Athletics Under-20s Championships. Defeat and a victory for Alfie Briggs-Price with two fights with inside 20 hours, while Lauren Workman lost a close bout at the Commonwealth Hall in London. Harry Wainwright stands at the top of the podium in only his second race at the junior karting level, while Finlay Cranish collects the silver at the Nottingham BMX Outlaw event. <music> to football, the Newark Town under-18s maintained their place at the head of Division 1 of the Notch Youth League with a 5-2 victory over bottom club Loudham and two Ryan Atwood goals helped the RHP under-16 Saturday team to a 3-2 victory over Aslockton. But a single goal against Breeston keeps Collingham Lions top of that division. The Sunday Colts took the lead leaders Immingham to extra time before finally going down 4-2 in the second round of the Middlelinks Cup. A strong weekend skating in Belgium saw... Freddie Polak finished top Brit, an unfortunate penalty and a fall in the 500 metre competition left him facing an uphill battle on to Sunday. However, strong performances in the 1000 and 750 accumulated in an 8th place finish for our young star. Defeat for the rugby club under 14s in the NLD Shield, 12-7 in the mud at Spalding, but better news for the under 16s as they beat Doncaster, 29 12. And finally, two big football matches tonight that have actually beaten the weather. Flowserve travelled to Long Eaton in the Midland League, while there's a local derby at Bishop's Drive in the Not Senior Cup, where Southall take on undefeated Burton Joyce. We always start the show, don't we, with one of the big stories from the last week or so in national sport and I asked the question and Tony of course has to give the answer no Tony tonight so uh, I guess he's put well and truly in the hot seat but I've, I've been nice I've chosen a rugby story for him 
Saracens have been fined an undisclosed amount for failing to attend the launch of the 2019-20 European Champions Cup. This event came a day after the Saris were fined £5.36 million and docked 35 points by Premiership Rugby for breaching the competition's salary cap regulations. So I thought, let's ask a rugby man what, what he thinks to a scandal that is likely to rock professional rugby for a long time to come. James, first of all, a warm welcome to um, Radio New York Sport and I'm throwing you straight in the, the deep end here with your thoughts on the whole of the Saracen story. Well, thank you very much for having us along. Well, the Saracens, there's a reason that we have all these rules in place to make a level playing field for everybody. And if Saracens are going to continue down that way, then that's not going to be good for the game at all. And I know that Eddie Jones has been on to say that it's not going to be good for England rugby. But it's that's why we have these rules to help develop everybody. It's just an unfortunate, and I do feel for the extra Chiefs when they were made, made their complaints about it. Is it just saracens or is there a lot more to rumble that's going to involve other clubs well who knows the information is not out there i'm aware that in rugby league for example they have been doing the same thing for years there's always been a salary cap but the rugby leagues have been other incentives to get people to play for them at times there and are, they have had their own scandals there are generally ways around these things i remember for a long long time ago before these two was about de definitely um rugby union players from Wales travelling up to play rugby league well they didn't do it for the love of it did they no um, they, they they really didn't but the other rugby story that absolutely rumbles on is the premiership seems to want to close its doors to everybody yet there seems to be 13 top sides and I know spaces for 12 it, in my world it can't be good for rugby if the premiership say right these are the 13 clubs in the Premiership. There's no relegation, no no promotion. That, I can't see that's good. No, I, I agree with that one. You look to football as well. I mean, the, the football, they bring teams in all the time. Are their players developing? Um, is ours going to develop in the same way? Maybe not, if they keep tying them in like that. Are they just going to have their own academies, their own training programmes to bring them through? That might work. Only time will tell, to be honest. Can, can you see rugby at its highest level following football with the pot of the pot of gold that, that, that football have gotten to be honest football at the top level has, has sold its soul to Sky Sports and money I hope not I really hope not um, I don't see why it should go that way that's not what uh, rugby's not that sort of uh, shouldn't be going down that route it's not that sort of sport it's rugby has always been for everybody it's always been inclusive for everybody. Uh, football has become very... Well, if you look from what little knowledge I have of it, there's how many players are being developed and trained from this country rather than bought in. And the money's there to buy in the players as the money there to develop it. I have to stop there about football because that's me at the extent of my knowledge no, of it. <laughs> but in rugby, you, you can, can still start your career with Newark play Newark, even play senior rugby with Newark, and go on to an international cap. In, in football, that, that, that doesn't happen anymore. But uh, when the girls started at Newark, who would have thought would have, I think, three, if not four, that has now got an international shirt? 
Yeah. Um, there. And, and the amount of young lads from Newark that's gone through to either play for Leicester or whatever and get in Sheffield and get international honours, it, it proves it can be done and that's what mustn't be lost. Oh, no, I completely agree. I, it's, and that's why rugby, I think, should stay the way it is. Don't follow the money. If the money's going to be there, it will come to the rugby. Not, that's the way I think it should be done. And rugby will just run along and do what it's been doing for years and been very successful. At the end of last season, we, we all went to a presentation evening and Mark and Claire, who's been saying it for a couple of years, that they're going to take a back a, a back seat. Claire Claire's wants to become Prime Minister and, 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 Mark, and Mark's there to, uh, to help her. Um, but I think Mark still actually comes down to the rugby club, does he? Yeah, Mark's the under-15s coach. Excellent. Um, but for five years it, it was their baby um and as i said they've they achieved they achieved the goal knew it became national champions um when it come to them to step down and that it was a you know it, it was a decision that they thought about thought about hard and it, it gives somebody else and it gives fresh fresh ideas as well and that, and that that's always a good thing how hard a decision james was it for you to get into Mark's shoes, if you like, and say, right, I am going to take over as head coach. Um, how long did you have to, to think about it? Oh, it took a couple months. Of um, From when I was first found out that he was going to step down and they were looking for somebody. Uh, and then after talking to a couple of people around the club, Mark in particular, it did take quite a bit of time before I thought, all right, I'm ready for this challenge. A challenge, it, it most certainly is, because as I've already said a couple of times, it, it's almost the Fergus syndrome, because you're taking over from somebody who, who'd absolutely done done everything, achieved more than anybody could have even hoped for. Did, did you think about that, or is this something that you are going to do in your, your own way, and Mark is there if you need advice? Oh, no, I was... I, well, Mark's done everything that he's achieved... If I was to continue to focus on that, then I feel that I'd be setting myself up for a possible f fall. So it's, whilst it's there, and I do consider it, it's not something I was thinking about all the time. It was more of, where can we, as the girls section, go? What can we, as the girls section, achieve from now on? How can we grow? How can we bring in and make it more inclusive for everybody? That's what the thought was going through my mind. Let's talk about James then a little bit because um, I don't know a lot about you and I don't think probably many people in Newark do know a lot about you. Obviously you're not a Newark a Newark man, so um let's um let's take it back to your youth, shall we? Where um where where was you born? Where where did you grow up? Where did you play your rugby? I was born in um, a place called Old Kilpatrick, just outside Glasgow. Uh, I grew up in Resyth because we moved there uh, when my dad worked in the dockyard and throughout the whole, when I was younger I played football because that's what I was told I had to play and it was only when I went to the high school and my PE teacher Mr McDonald and he says come and play rugby so I went my first year there because it wasn't called year seven it was first year of high school went there picked up a rugby ball and that was it we just played and as a rugby team Mr McDonald coached us every single what twice a week and we played rugby during the winter and then we all went and did the athletics that Mr McDonald told us we were doing during the summer 
So the rugby team was also the athletics team, and then we'd switch back to playing rugby again. And uh, that's how I just got into it. I know, um, I mean, my, my rugby knowledge is about the same as your football knowledge, but um, Bill McLaren, bless him, I always remember, um, loved his teams from the borders. What, yes. what was rugby in and around Glasgow very strong, or was it very much a secondary sport to the football? Oh, in Glasgow, uh, football was the more dominant sport. Um, well, I think my dad was quite proud that I was playing a sport. It'd have been better if I'd have been playing football. <laughs> <laughs> so you nearly got praise. Yes, <laughs> you nearly got praise. Um, obviously, then obviously um, Ross Sife. Just um, when you finished playing at school, then where did you go from? Where oh, was I next left on your school at sixteen years old and joined the army. And then whilst I was in the army, I carried on playing rugby. Just carried on playing ever. Yeah. Um, I played for a couple of seasons uh, whilst I was out there most of the time for the, the unit I was with um, and then it was quite a way in about 12 years into my career I'd gone to a place called Rhine Allen uh, and there was a lad I was working with at the time and he said have you ever fancied rugby league and I said to him why you stop every 5 minutes he said come along and give it a shot I swear 10 minutes into the first game I thought will somebody kick the ball out so I can breathe because it was so fast so I then played a couple of seasons at rugby league this is what Tony Smith always says to me. He, 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 he's a big rugby league fan, mm. uh, and and he, he given the choice of the two, he'll go for league. If you had the choice of the two, I don't know. <laughs> I like I like both. I league is a very very physical game, whereas union it's slightly more tactical, more thinking. League it's you're, t- you're sending your big players in. And you're following your big players in, and you're crashing in all the time. It's, I mean, there are tactics to it and everything, but for me, it was always a very physical game. If you want to take out any aggression, go and play league. If you want to think about it and enjoy your sports, then Union's the way ahead. So let's talk a little bit now about James, the coach. After your playing career, I'm assuming by now you're you're out of the army, are you? I am now. Yeah, and live in in Grantham. In Grantham? Oh, well, that's, so we're, we're getting to the local bit now. Yeah. Um, what's your coaching career been? Um, well, when I was based in Twickenham, um, my son wanted to, to go and play rugby. So the local rugby club was London Scottish. So as you do, and as I would imagine... That's a match made in heaven, isn't it? It was. <laughs> so as I'd imagine, every single coach started off the same way. I'll take my child along and I'll just stand on the sideline and I won't get involved <laughs> and we'll just watch. And then sure enough, somebody says would you mind helping out so you help out a little bit and then you help out a bit more and then before you know it somebody comes up to me and says oh would you take over there's the lead coach from the under sixes to the under eights absolutely I'll, I'll do that so I was the I wasn't a, their setup wasn't a head coach they had a, a lead coach so I took it on and then coached that and that's what I just did and then once we moved from Twickenham I didn't get a chance to coach anymore up until the point my daughter said oh I want to go and play rugby they're playing up at Newark. Right, okay. So duly enough, turned up, thought to myself, I will just stand on the sideline. I'm not <laughs> going to do anything this time. And next thing I know, Mark Dobb walks across and says, can you come and help us? Sure. And before I know it, I'm now the head coach. You're not the first one that's gone to the Mark, Mark Dobb charm when it comes to that sort of thing. It's, yeah. Well, what, I mean, just before the break... Um, when your daughter comes and says she wants to play rugby, what's her reaction? Is it, uh, no, it's not for girls, or 
yes, this is the dream come true. No, absolutely fine. You get on with it. If you want to try it, you want to try something that you've never done before, then, yeah, go and do it. Not going to stop you. Her mum won't watch her. Her mum thinks she's going to get hurt. Well, she does, but there they are. <laughs> Playing rugby, it's going to happen. Uh, no, I had no problems at all with my daughter going to play. So so mum's never, ever seen you play? Ever seen you play? No. No, but no. I've sent her photographs at times to say, look, this is your daughter. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. And and you, so you're still in Grantham and you, you, you're travelling over to Kellam Road? Yep. Uh, so we travel over yeah. every single Thursday. For, uh, get here for about... I, I always... It's a military bit. Well, I assuming always, the tide's out. Yeah. I, I always get there early so we can get set up. Um, and then meet the... Because um, I predominantly coach the under-13s. Meet the 13s and we start running around. Um, and then Sundays, wherever we manage to get the game, that's where we go and visit. So you've got, you, you look after the under-13s, Mark's looking after the under-15s. Yes. The under-18s are still in... Yeah, the under-18s are still there. Uh, Greg is uh, oh, looking Greg. after Wonderful the under-18s. Greg, yes. So, love uh, I love the enthusiasm. I, I, I can watch that enthusiasm all afternoon. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Greg's doing that. But we've also got, like, for example, uh, Nick, and there's a few of the other... Uh, the Nick, dads. who just turned up to watch his daughter play yes. rugby, yes. <laughs> and uh, there's lots more the when parents are coming along, we do like them all to get involved. And if you want to come in and do the coaching, then do you know what? Come and do the coaching. That's what it's there for. It's a big family team. Brilliant. Well, in five minutes' time, I'm going to introduce you to a couple of uh, the latest batch of Newark Rugby Club stars. Um, first of all, though, I think it's time to find out what the twins have been up to. OK, it's time we've gone off to uh, the Sports Village and find out what the Twins are up to and, in fact, what Newark Athletic Club's been up to for the past couple of weeks. And uh, both of them are there tonight, which means it must be mild and nice and the rain stopped, else, else Lauren certainly would have been indoors pole vaulting or something. But uh, both of them's turned out tonight to tell us about the last fortnight for Newark AC. Girls, it's all yours. Thank you. So, on the weekend, we had the quad quad kids at Sheffield and this consists of a 60 metres, a 600 metres, a long jump and a howler javelin and Maisie stormed to fourth place in the year five category and um, Ruben came seventh in his category and Dominic came 11th and they were both in the year five group category. Cameron came sixth in his category and Zoe and Josh competed in the age, older age group and they both did really good events. Josh did an 800 in 2 minutes 30 seconds, which is a PB. And Zoe also completed, competed in the long jump and had a PB of 3 metres 98. Um, we also had um, some fantastic um, times at the Doncaster 10K Open. So one of our two newer members, Jan Bailey and Damien Davies, both took over a minute off their 10K BBs. So an amazing well done to them. And then we had um, Adrian Dix, who um, also ran, and he came... Um, 140 seconds in the race and then 13th in the um, MV40 category and then we had Becky Gallup for her first road race back after pregnancy and she was ninth female back so she was very happy with that and well done to Edward who came first in his Highfields cross country today in the under nine age group and there was 14 schools in it so a big well done to him and also well done to Ella Hancock who came second in the Canny Cross in the Midland series and she she got very muddy, but she came third female overall on a 3K muddy course. So well done to her. 
Um, we also had Sam Roberts, Carl Braithway and Lee Braithway um, at the Lynx League today um, at last weekend. So well done to both of them. And then finally, we've got um, our mini league results. Um, and that was at a new court in Bullwell. Um, and it was the third league of the season. So we had um, in the under 11s, we had Maisie Mullet, um, who came fifth place, and um, Jessica Jackson, 38th. In the under 11 boys, we had Ruben Shivers in 25th and Cameron, his brother, in 33rd. And then Edward McIntyre was too young to race, but he ran as a guest, so really well done for him for turning up. In the under-13s, we had Anna Clark and Harriet Monaghan. In the under-13 boys, Joseph Monk finishing a great third place, Josh Clay and Riley Picker. And then in the under-15 girls, we had Neve Monaghan and Bethlyn Jones. So well done to all of Newark AC for the past two weekends. And what you got coming up this weekend? Anything? Um, not this weekend, but we've got um, North Mids Cross Country on the 7th of December, which I believe is the weekend after. Yeah. It is, girls. We won't be with you again next week because it's the Sports Awards week, so a special week for us, but uh, a week off right. a week off for you. So we'll catch up with you uh, in a fortnight's time when you can tell us all about. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, girls. Bye. Bye-bye. That's uh, the twins there with the Newark AC report. Uh, right, uh, now for the real stars of the show, as James would say. Um, Emma with the under-15s and Olivia with the under-13s. Girls, welcome to Radio New at Sport. You're, um, you. taking, you. you're taking on the mantle of uh, quite a number of the rugby club girls that's been on this show and we've followed them from the start of their rugby career to wearing an England shirt. So uh, <laughs> yeah. one day, one day, is that uh, yeah, the idea? I mean, who knows? Like Anything could happen. I think it's one of those sports where you can really you can start from the bottom and you can just you can develop your skills and like you can generally make it to be able to wear one of them shirts emma yeah 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 emma why does a young girl want to play rugby i think especially with newark i think from the first time that i picked up a rig- rugby ball when i was in year seven it just it instantly clicked and it's it's just an amazing sport and you really do build like an absolute family and friendships that will last a while and it's just such a good sport where you can develop your own skills as well as sporting skills they, they always um said it was a sisterhood. That was the word that was used all the time, a sisterhood. And and, and you've just said that almost again, haven't you? It, yeah. it's, it, it is like a family and Absolutely. you're basically all in this together. But again, let me go back to, you know, you, you, you turn up there, you're looking all, all, all very mm. pretty, your hair's in place, everything <laughs> is, is perfect. And an hour and a half later, you're absolutely head to foot in, yeah. in mud. Do you mind that? I... I don't mind it at all because it's it's just it's so much fun and it's just like time where you can just really just enjoy it because it's such a good sport and you really do build such good friendships and skills who cleans your rugby boots um <laughs> i just throw them in the washing machine <laughs> <laughs> personally and how's that go down with mother um yeah, oh, it's she, fine. She, so, so, so. Um, it's fine. I, I was chatting to your mum. Yeah. Before we came on air, and your brother yeah. played rugby, and he's almost injured every part of his body. Absolutely, yeah, he has. That he's got. 
wh when you announced to your mother, she won't come and talk to me on air, but when, <laughs> when you announced to your mother that you wanted to play rugby, what, what sort of reaction did you get? Um, I think the original thing that got me into it was I always went on a Sunday morning to go and watch my brother play his matches, and I, it, it just, it really appealed to me, because I saw, like, how stuck in he got, and it just it did appeal and then when I said I wanted to do it I think she was a bit wary because obviously you get injured and she's seen Sam like get all the injuries that you can get and I think it it was just kind of he's a lot more like more experienced than I was at the time and I think at the start because I probably when I was younger play like everything and tried any sport that anything could have so I don't think she expected it to last my passion for it as long as it has so yeah and how long has it lasted um I mean I started in year seven and I'm now year 11 and I went off for injury for about three years and all throughout that like the only thing that I wanted to do was get back to it so yeah it's, it's lasted a while <laughs> You obviously enjoy it, and the enthusiasm is, is, is most definitely there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right, we'll come back to you in a minute, Emma, because sitting in the corner, there she is, <laughs> there, there's Olivia, who's, who's playing for the under-13s. Actually, she's playing for James's team then, aren't you? Yeah. Um, again, um, almost the same questions. Why would a young lady want to play rugby? What, what, what attracted you to want to play rugby? Well, I remember like Emma in year seven we were doing PE and we were doing rugby and I just I found it so fun and like I found it like I almost understood it like even though the teacher hadn't explained it so I felt me and I went back to home and um, I told my mum how much I liked it and then my mum and I found Newark and we saw like how nice it looked so I decided to join and yeah obviously no regrets no what what position do you play then um in under 13s we don't have positions right. so we kind of just like go in a line and just James just ju just just grab that a moment just stay on that mic <coughs> Olivia if you would what so what Olivia's just said if you can explain to everybody that don't have positions in under 13s because the one great thing about rug rugby um, particularly watching my two grandchildren play rugby, um, Finley now plays for Sandbatch on under-13s. But you're not playing to win a match. You're playing to improve your ability to play rugby. Whereas yes. in football, once you're about nine years old, it's win at all costs, which I, I just think is totally wrong, and rugby's got this 100% right. So with the under-13s then... It's they're playing to the, the right. result doesn't matter. No, uh, under thirteens, what we focus on is developing the the basic skills. So you're running, you're passing, you're catching. Uh, there's still a scrum, but the scrum is the nearest three players from each team, because the girls, as the, every other rugby player, you're still growing. Your body shape's all changing. Where you might look like. Um, uh, a centre one season you could suddenly become the prop the next season because it's just the way that your body's developing so it'd be wrong to pigeonhole them at 13 level to say that is your position because 
they'll all develop their own skills at their own rate they'll all develop their own body rate uh, the, the body they'll change so we get them to play in different positions but we concentrate on the basics tackling passing running catching as I keep saying to the under 13s there's three things you've got to do every single game have fun get muddy and eat chips and that is what we do that sounds absolutely brilliant and uh, is it right then Olivia that at the end of the, the day so I, I know I, I keep going back to Young Finley because that's my rugby I, I'll say to Young Finley what was the result and he'll honestly turn around and say I don't know I've no idea but it doesn't bother him is that your case as well um me well there are obviously sometimes everyone well everyone wants to win but at the end of the day um, a lot of the time what James says is if like it gets too one-sided we mix the teams so like half of the Newark girls will go on to the other side and then the half of that side will come on so that um, it makes it fair so that someone's not like just getting thrashed like completely I agree I, I, I totally agree I think it's wonderful what do your friends think of you playing rugby? Um, I mean, there's a couple of friends that I've tried to get down to the club, but because they all live, like, over, like, half an hour away, they don't really want to come down, which is a bit annoying, but... So on a Sunday afternoon when everybody else is just chatting together and you say, well, I'm sorry I can't, I'm, I'm off to play rugby, what... what I, 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 I suppose they know that now, though, don't they? What, yeah. What reaction did you get when you first sort of started? I mean, I just never really arranged things with people because I just had rugby so I never even told them that I was free they just asked are you available this weekend like to go to McDonald's or something I just said no because I'm playing rugby and then they just kind of didn't carry on the conversation rugby comes first yeah of course it should absolutely absolutely excellent Emma so yeah. by the time we get to the under 15s we are yeah. playing to win matches obviously because I've been to the finals <laughs> yeah. um, and we are playing to win um, yeah. so what what position um, I play winger at the minute. It can go from winger. I played fullback for a bit on the last match that we had, and then sometimes outside centre. So it can vary, and I think it's good that it can vary because it gives everyone a chance to just try different places. What what sort of season are, are you having? Um, I think. We definitely had some ups and downs. I think the start of the season we started off, we, we were confident. And then we had, I think, two matches in a row where we didn't... Um, it didn't go as well as we would have hoped. But then this weekend we had an amazing match and won 61-0. So I think we picked it up. But the majority of the girls, this is like their first or their second match. And playing as a team, we haven't been playing very long at all. Like majority of us this is our first season playing together so yeah so as head coach then 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 james i mean the girls are ob obviously love it every every minute of, um, of it but as emma has just said it, it's once again you're, you're putting the team together and i saw mark and claire having to do do this and i suppose that is what junior sport is all about um you build a team you lose a team you start you start again you've got under 13s, under 15s, under 18s, and that was the aim from the beginning, and it took a long time to actually get there, but you've still maintained those three sections. Yeah, we have. So the the 15s have grown a lot, the, the largest, because this time last year, um, one of the, the parents, Stephen, posted a picture and he said, this time last year, 
we had nine. This time, we have 20 in the squad, and that's the under-15s. And then the 13s, we have nine at the minute, and the 18s are still changing because the girls are leaving, they've got jo- uh, some of them have got jobs, there's other commitments coming up. But one of the things that we're now starting to do is we're now starting to develop an under-11s girls team. <laughs> because we're then... We're, what we're finding is a lot of the, the younger girls are getting to that... There's an age that necessarily the boys aren't passing to them or they're not wanting to play with the boys. And it seems to be a national thing that under-living girls teams are starting to come into existence. So, of course, we've went, do you know what? We're going to do the same as well. And we've currently got two under-11s who were playing on Sunday and for their size were absolutely fearsome. (laughs) (laughs) True New York tradition. The rugby club hierarchy, once they got over the initial shock of girls playing rugby, seemed to me to fully support it and integrate the girls as just another section. It's, It's now just part of the rugby club. Um, yes. Is that still the case? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, there's there's no difference uh, at all. Um, the boys leave the messing room, uh, the dressing room messy for us at times, but I suppose that we would do the same if we got them first. <laughs> um, but no, the the club's very supportive of everything that the girls want to do. Uh, there's never been any issues that I've ever been aware of with the club, um, and I know that, for example, this Saturday the club has said to the girl sections. Uh, any parents, uh, coaches or the volunteers that help out as part of the uh, the, the rugby family we have um, want to go and have the meal after the first team, then it's only, a, well, they've said, we'll reduce it to £10 a person. Then that's the club saying, like, as a thank you, because yeah. everybody's helping out. Well, it, 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 it is a wonderful thing, and to find out that you're now starting under and under 11s as well. Um, I know David Dulles has started to go out into the schools to to get this relationship between the, the schools and yes the, the rugby club you, you've got good numbers you, you could always have more obviously um how do you entice the girls into the rugby club well a lot of it is word of mouth and it comes from the girls going and talking the best ambassadors that we've got is the actual the girls themselves talking to their friends and explaining it when we're going out, and we've got a couple of uh, campaigns, we're going to, uh, for example, we're going to email some of the local schools to say, why don't you bring them along? I know there's one of the parents has been speaking to the, now is it, Brownies, uh, to say, we will run a, a festival or a series of events for you. So I know that he's dealing with that. And it's just by doing all these little things. What we always, what we want to try to say to the girls is, come along and try it. Try it for a couple of weeks. That's always, to me, the the hardest to convince mum to let the daughter come and try it and yeah. to convince the girls to come and see because once you've got them to Callum Road yes and they've seen what it's like I would suggest you keep the majority of them it's very rare we ever lose the um, I think I can maybe think of maybe one who came once and then went no but that's what in a couple of years now that's the only one I can think of uh, it's very rare but don't get me wrong, if um, whatever parent, guardian, carer, if you come along, bring your, your daughter along to come and play, don't think for one second you're just going to get away with standing on the touchline. There now, will be a job for you somewhere. So, let, 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 let's just say an, an example of a dad that brings daughter down 
to watch to watch daughter play and he stands there and you look at him and he says well he knows a little bit about rugby what happens next Nick. <laughs> it is Nick, isn't it? It is, yeah. 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 Um, you brought your daughter down. I did. To just watch the world go by for a couple of hours. Indeed. To, Kel- to Kellam Road, yeah. Um, and you got attacked by James and... Uh, yeah. Mark did a good job on James. Um, and James obviously used the same technique on me. Um, I think it was the second second week I went down to, to watch Liv. That quick? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I think he tried the first week, but I thought he was just being nice. And then, obviously, when he said something again the week after, I thought, well, why not? I, I used to play myself, so I do have a little knowledge of the game. Um, and obviously, with my daughter joining in and playing, I was absolutely delighted to be able to get back involved in it. Who's the harder to teach, the girls or the boys? Uh, Who, I've only ever coached girls in rugby. More? Um, do you mean generally or on the rugby pitch? <laughs> let's, let's go with the rugby <laughs> pitch. <laughs> uh, to be fair to the girls, when when they're on it, they're brilliant. They are they they're switched on and they take it all on board and 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 they they listen and they listen well. Is it just a question? Because I mean, I've heard some of these team talks in the past. You've got to get them to shut up talking to each other first. That's the challenge that we yes. have. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Once, once you get tr- to that, that's point. the truth bit coming <laughs> out. Yes. Yeah. I what? mean, they, they they're, they're enjoying it. So you know, they have a little social circle there now and. They'll catch up with each other and, and, and have stories from the different schools that they attend and such like. So we're very keen to keep that element of fun as much as possible. But obviously there comes a point where you have to say, right now, listen, because you need to understand what you need to do. <laughs> so every now and then we we just pull them back a little bit and get them to listen. But generally they're fantastic and they're there to, to, to listen to what they're told and it's good. So, Olivia, do you listen? Uh, well, we have started to um, listen now because the coaches came up with a new rule. So basically, if you talk while the coaches are talking, because a lot of the time the talking is actually about gossip and school and stuff. <laughs> um, and um, if you talk once while the coach is talking, you get sent off for five minutes. And then if you come back on and then you talk again while the coach is talking, you're in the clubhouse for the rest of the night. So. On a cold night, though. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Is that a bit of um, Scottish um, law and order coming into it, then? It was something I thought, well, we'll give it a try. It's what's happening. The girls that get together, they've not seen each other for, for a week because they, like, they all go to different schools. And because they're so close and they're so uh, friendly with each other, it's just natural they want to sit and gossip and talk about what's been going on at school and all the things that are important in that the, the lifestyles at that so it was just an event right that's it I've had enough of this <laughs> we're going to try this and see if it works it's my, it's my turn now I think the first time we tried it it came as a bit of a shock but it worked for the rest of the night and everybody was very attentive and I believe that we had a absolutely fantastic session that night and all the girls loved it and ever since then we don't do it anymore because there's no need to. Okay, that's brilliant. We've got more rugby um, still to come, but uh, we're now going to find um, Graham and all the Striders news. Okay, let's go running with the New York Striders and Graham Welsh. Graham, good evening. Good evening, dear. Take it away. I've been uh, taking notes in the last five minutes. Uh, yeah, talking in class, we have a bit of that at Striders when we have the briefing, and they haven't seen each other for a week or so and chattering away. So it's uh, to the. Uh, Clubhouse after two strikes and uh, sent off for five minutes after one, isn't it? So that's where the rugby club girls do it. So uh, yep, why not? It's the boys that are worst at our club. Um, but anyway, uh, on, on to the news. We've got a couple of weeks to go, so I'll uh, get on straight on with it. 
And we start off on Saturday at Newark Park Run where we had a striders takeover. Now, I've mentioned them in the past. It's not some sort of uh, strong-arm tactics or anything. It's basically all the volunteer positions at the, uh, at the park run being filled by members of the club. So that's everything from the run director, all the timekeepers, the marshals, and quite a lot of uh, uh, pacers uh, helping people to get round in the time they're trying to get round in. So we had a busy day at uh, uh, Newark Park Run. It was nice to get back on the, the full proper course now that the, uh, uh, the waters have subsided a bit. Then on to Sunday, we had a really busy uh, trip up to South Yorkshire for the Doncaster 10K. Uh, 2,526 finishes in the race and uh, 28 of them were striders and uh, striders sort of family members. I'm sort of going to read them all out, but I'll uh, give a flavour of what was going on. The first two club members to cross the line, they pretty much came over together in 42 minutes and 50 seconds. That was Nigel Driscoll and Mark Jackson, and that time was a, uh, a PB for, for Nigel. Andrew Vosper, 44 minutes and 32 seconds. That was a PB for him by uh, several minutes, and he was uh, delighted with that one. Uh, hometown race for me, so I came over the finishing line in 47 minutes and 8 seconds. And going down the, the list a few, we had Kate Driscoll, the first uh, lady finisher, 48 minutes and 2 seconds, so the smashing new uh, PB for Kate. Hannah Jackson, 48 minutes and 18 seconds. And uh, Mum Jackie, that uh, was a PB for her. Mum Jackie, uh, 55 minutes and 2 seconds. We've already heard about Dad, uh, Mark. So family, uh, a family show uh, up at uh, Doncaster for the, for the Jacksons. Uh, Karen uh, Ilsley, 57 minutes and 14 seconds. Kath Scott, a PB, 57 minutes and 18 seconds. Uh, Kath was delighted with that PB2 for uh, um, um, Nicole Henson, 58 minutes and 12 seconds. And uh, a couple more people who were there. We had uh, um, Jen Owens, 1 hour 13 minutes, 24 seconds. Lisa White, 1 hour 16 and 22 seconds. So really lovely day out at uh, Doncaster. Conditions were absolutely perfect for, for running and we had a really good time. Wasn't the only thing going on on Sunday, though, uh, up at uh, Clown, where the Clown Half Marathon, quite a hilly course there. Uh, no problem for Dawn Hauling, so a good time for Dawn. Two hours, four minutes and 49 seconds. She was very pleased with that. Um, and then down to the motor racing circuit at Silverstone. Used to racing, but it was running racing this time. And uh, a couple of events, there was a festival of running. So we had a 10K, and Bonnie Tinsley was in that. She's been running very well recently. And got a, another PB, 57 minutes and 2 seconds for Bonnie in the 10K. And in the half marathon, Sarah Webb, uh, 2 hours, 22 minutes and 56 seconds. So it was a really busy weekend. Uh, weekend just gone. And uh, taking it back to the previous week, um, give a quick flavour of that. We had done Sunday, the K-Fork Dash, that's a 10K race. And Simon Palmer did really well in that uh, 45 minutes and 38 seconds. He came third male and fifth overall in the race. So well done, uh, Simon. We had some half marathons. We had um, Jean-Louis Balistra in the Rother Valley half marathon, one hour, 35 minutes and 37 seconds. We had, uh, for the sixth week in a row, we had some overseas news. Steve Martin was in the Larnaca half marathon in Cyprus, two hours, 12 minutes and uh, 55 seconds. And we also had uh, a couple of other events, the Dark and White Peaks, that's uh, up at Buxton, so quite uh, tough on the hills there. Emma Gilbert, uh, Esther Parry, and uh, David Daubney uh, took on that uh, that course. Quite a lot of uh, uphill in in that, and a uh, 16.3-kilometre course, and they all did very well. Um, the Matthew Walker 10K Pudding Run at uh, Hena, that's a very uh, well-attended race. Nicole Henderson was there, one hour, two minutes, and 41 seconds. It was uh, pretty muddy and hilly, but uh, 
you do get a, a nice Christmas pudding, mince pies and mulled wine and all sorts of stuff going on there. So that helped uh, uh, sort of make it all, all a bit better. So busy couple of weeks. And then the weekend coming up, we've got Skegness 10K. So a few people going over that. It's quite a, a fast course there. So people often go in there looking for uh, their, their best 10K time. And we've got the Edwin Stowe uh, 10K trail race as well. I've been sure with the forest there. So there'll uh, be plenty to tell you about in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> As ever, thank you so much, Graham. And as I said, it is going to be two weeks' time. It's Sports Wars next, next week, and uh, we'll catch up with you. And are you going to Skeggy? Not me. I'm, uh, I'll just be out doing a training run, but not. I won't be at Skeggy. No. No, Skeggy in summer is just about tolerable. Skeggy at this time of the year it could be a bit cold. <laughs> that wind, that wind coming from up north. Well, you're making me feel chilly already. <laughs> exactly, Graham. Thank you so much. Bye now. Thanks. Bye. One of the great things about the ad break is you get to know your guests a little bit more and the under-13s coach, Nick, um, told us a wonderful story about when he first started playing rugby and if we put that mic back round to him, <laughs> he can tell you all this wonderful story. Oh, and it, it, just, it just goes to prove that, <laughs> you know, everybody starts somewhere. Nick? Uh, okay, um, I should probably start by saying I was only about six when this happened, <laughs> so this was mini rugby, but one of my first lasting memories of getting into the game was um, picking the ball up on the try line and um, running the whole length of the pitch to dive over and score, and what I thought was a line of in- encouraging and screaming and shouting parents were actually trying to tell me I was running the wrong way, so it wasn't until I swan dived over and thought I'd done really well and turned around for some congratulations I was told that you've scored at the wrong end Nick <laughs> so I think a few tears later I learnt a lesson on that one <laughs> can, can can you outdo that one head coach what scoring at the wrong end well what's your biggest sort of um, foo par on a rugby pitch um <laughs> that can be broadcast that's the one I'm thinking of <laughs> <laughs> I, I do remember a particular match, a rugby league match uh, against RAF Bruggen, where, and I knew the captain for the, for the RAF team, and throughout the whole of the first half, the referee kept blowing and calling in and saying, stop fighting, stop fighting. So then we agreed, okay, we've all sorted now, so we, we stopped fighting. We took the break, yeah, the half time came, started playing the second half, and I remember the referee blowing the whistle and calling us both in again and saying, right, fighting. And we said, we've not been fighting. He said, I know, but do you want to go and stop your wives on the sideline? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Oh, you see, it's, it's great to find some of the stories, it really is. Um, it's a busy time of year for for the girls. Um, the national tournaments are building up. To, um, you've got games most weeks at this time of the year. How difficult has it been with this persistent rain that we're having? I have to say, it's, it is very difficult. The... The odd team that is able to play probably already has a fixture. Trying to find a pitch to then play on uh, has been also extremely difficult. But I have to say the wider rugby family, every single club in the whole East Midlands, has always been extremely helpful to each other. For example, um, I phoned uh, Martin at Kisteven and said, have you got a game? And he says, well, we do. I said, can our teams come along? He said, Absolutely. Uh, so we 18s come along and they said we will just combine all our teams and play a game. 
I says, right, well, our pictures are flooded. So he says, do you know what, let me check. And he came back and said, yep, our pictures are fine. Come along. I said, what about the 13s? He went, yep, bring them as well. And in the 15s, there was, as I said to one of the parents, you just need to keep the faith. We will find a pitch somewhere. Um, and eventually, Bingham Rugby Club very kindly said, our pitches aren't too bad. So you can come and play on this one. Uh, and that's what it's been, a lot of that's been happening with the clubs. I've saying, yep, here's a pitch, we can do it. And they've all, everyone's been generally pulling together to help out. That, 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 that's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. How, how are they doing, um, the 15s and the 18s in the National Cup? How, 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 how are they faring? Uh, the 15s, you had that win before, and there was the Mansfield yeah. game before that, which you lost. Yeah. So it's 1-1, one, one, lost 1, and the 18s are in the same position. 1-1 uh, and lost 1. Well, I say 1-1, one, one, lost 1. It's that, but they didn't actually play the game yet, because both the games got postponed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. What's the... What's your overall plan? What's your five-year plan for uh, for them? I mean, we're not, we're not instant success, because this, this is, as Emma has said, is is a rebuild job again. Um, so, we, you know, we're not going to expect miracles this year or probably next year, but what what are you building towards, James? Well, when, I'm a huge... I'm a big club. I want a very successful club in everything you do. If you want to measure success in the terms of the trophies, then, yes, I want to win all the trophies. If I, me, the success would be growing the club, keeping the girls, watching them happy in what they're doing and developing as far as they want to do and achieving what it is they want to achieve. And if that's a trophy, then it's a trophy. That's the best trophy. If that's turning up and I'm playing all the time and I'm having a wonderful time and I'm scoring tries or I'm helping my teammates and I'm having a fantastic social life because of rugby, then to me, that's a success as well. That's what I'm after for the girls. Emma, is this a schoolgirl fantasy or are you going to be the next Jess Weaver and have <laughs> I got another England star in the making? Do you want to play rugby when you become an adult? Um, yeah, I think it's something that I will carry on pursuing for as long as I can because I just I love the sport and the same with Olivia two years younger a um, lot more time to think about it um, do you want to carry this rugby career as far as it as far as it goes and with a little bit of luck yeah you could play for Loughborough Lightning I don't know where, 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 where do you want to end up with it well I mean probably I'll just stop playing rugby when all my bones are broken and <laughs> I can't physically play anymore. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good, that's a brilliant answer. I'm not, not too sure that, uh, no, there's a lot of head shaking going off in here at, at the moment, but, but that is how much um, you enjoy. That's how much you enjoy. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's times where, like, um, we don't always do too well when... I mean, you just got to keep your heads up because there's plenty more games in the future where you can make up for it and you've just got to keep going at your best because you can't do more than your best. Every, every, everybody um, loses at some time in sport. James, you've just got to. That's what it's about, isn't it? And when you do lose, you have to lose gracefully. But them's the games you learn from as well, aren't they? You learn more from getting beat, I think, than when you win. Oh, it's... Um if you're winning all the time, then what are you actually learning? 
sometimes a little bit of humility now and again will make you a better player and a better team so yes it's some, losing isn't the be on end of the world because then you're where, what can I learn from this where can I do something different where can we as a team progress from here and that would just come from whether from, from uh, not winning a game Nick I'm going to play rugby until every bone in my body yeah. is broken and then I think <laughs> I'll stop your face was a picture uh, yeah, uh, I think you've said that Olivia's my daughter, haven't you? So people are aware. Yeah, it yeah. yeah. doesn't doesn't fill me with um, joy to think of that. But um, rugby's a game where you can get bumped. We we all know that. Um, so I know that can happen. But I see the enjoyment she gets out of it, and it's it's huge. So if she gets a bump at some point, then she gets a bump. It's um, it's the nature of the game. Talking of bumps, it's somebody's birthday tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, you're 13 tomorrow, so you, you've you played your last game, have you, for the under-13s? Or, or um, are you allowed to play for the rest of the season? Um, I'm allowed to play for the rest of the season, and then next season I'll be going up to under-15s with Emma. So it's a bit, like, it's a bit like school, isn't it, really? You sort of get to your top of your class, and then yeah. you're the baby of the class again. But uh, that's that's the nature of, of the beast. Are you, are you um, looking forward to... Shall we say competitive rugby then? Um, yeah, I mean, I take it very competitively anyway. Um, so I gathered that with a bone, bone <laughs> comment. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to um, under-15s where you use a lot more um, different like range of skills that you've not learnt in the under-13s. Are you looking forward to the um, competitive Olivia joining the under-15s? Yeah, I mean, we've... The under-15s have trained with the under-13s before, and I know that some of the under-13s, the fire that they have, like, they're so feisty, some of them, especially, like, Olivia and Betsy, like, <laughs> they're better than me, like, they honestly, they're, they're so good, and they have the um, enthusiasm to just fully go for it, and, yeah... Well, I think in the last hour we've learnt one major thing that the Newark Rugby Club girls are still in very good hands. James, Nick, thank you for taking on the coaching of them, thank you for looking after them and thank you for making sure a Newark institution is going to continue. And that's the news that we all really wanted tonight. Our stars, the stars of the show, of course, Emma and the birthday girl for tomorrow, <laughs> um, Olivia. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for talking so brilliantly. Well, thank and, you uh, for having us. I'm sure it's, it's not you. the one and only time. You'll be back on Radio Newark very, <laughs> very soon. Tomorrow night, it's Josh Burkett. But from us, good night. Radio.